Do you love to talk about rescue dogs almost too much? Us too. This is why I created a space where we can celebrate it. This podcast is for those who are passionate about rescue because dogs, whether they're a foster or a new member of your family, they rescue us right back. Each week, we invite a member of the dog rescue community to talk about their passion for rescue dogs and how their life has never been the same. This is Rescue Dog Love, a rescue community podcast. I'm Yamini, and this is my first rescue, Bus. <laughs> Welcome back, Rescue Dog Lovers of the Internet. Hope you've been enjoying the new iteration of Rescue Dog Love and our amazing guests. Speaking of, today's guest is Lisa. She uses the Instagram account at all the foster pups to share her amazing journey with fostering senior dogs. She has fostered over 40 senior dogs in four years. And just to make me a little bit more obsessed, they're all senior chihuahuas. So I'm absolutely in love with her feed and just in love with the dedication she has. This was an amazing discussion on fostering seniors in particular and the nuances of that, as well as learning about San Francisco, the Bay Area, and their um, different issues in rescue. What I thought was so interesting was talking about the shelter she works closely with, Muttville Senior Dog Rescue, and how they've really kidding and used their platform to change the conversation about senior dogs in a place like San Francisco where strays and senior strays are everywhere. So I hope you really enjoy this episode. If you do, please go to Spotify or Apple Podcasts, leave us five stars and a review. It really does help our podcast continue to grow and see you next time. Hi, Lisa. Welcome to Rescue Dog Love. Hi, I'm so excited to talk all things senior dog with you. Me too. I have recently been on a senior dog kick in terms of Instagram and like TikTok. I don't know. I just like every time, especially a senior chihuahua comes up, my heart swells. (laughs) So I'm really excited to just spend a whole bunch of time with you talking about that. Yeah, well, senior chihuahuas are where my heart is at. So that's right up my alley. Perfect. I love this alignment. So speaking of senior chihuahuas, definitely want to get started talking about your pack. So Ms. Dog Lover, why don't you tell me a little bit about your children? So I have three senior chihuahua girls. I have Chloe. She is 11 and we've had her since she was a puppy. Actually, so my husband at the time we got her 11 years ago, he was traveling a lot for work. He had never grown up with dogs, had not really been around dogs before. He actually was scared of dogs because he was chased and bit by a, I think, maybe a small dog in, in his childhood. So he had that, you know, stigma of little dogs and all of that. Since he was traveling a lot for work, I was alone a lot uh, pretty early on in our relationship. So I convinced him uh, that we should adopt a dog. So we rescued her when she was like a couple months old. We really didn't know a ton about like rescue dogs. I had had dogs growing up, but this was my first dog as an adult that I actually rescued myself. So we didn't really know anything about rescue dogs, chihuahuas. We just, you know, went to the shelter, adopted her because she was cute. And we've had her ever since. And then we started our foster journey when she was seven. So about four years ago now, we actually had our first foster fail. She's not currently part of our pack. She crossed the rainbow bridge, but I'll give her a little shout out. But Connie was our uh, 15th foster foster. She was a little senior hospice chewini that we adopted. um, And she passed away last year. And last year, we adopted our second foster fail. She's still part of our pack is Holly. She is a little white chihuahua who is nine years old. And we foster failed with her because she was just like so goofy and skittish. We just thought we needed to keep her because it was going to be detrimental for her to have to Mm. like go to another home and start Mm -hmm. over. We were in love with her. You know, we weren't like big foster failures. Um, Like I said, we only had adopted our only foster fail so far was our dog Connie that we adopted and we adopted her because she was hospice. So, I mean, for a long time, we never really thought about adding to our pack. We were just on that whole foster journey, but we added her to our pack. So we've had her about two years now. This is Holly. And then our most recent addition is Stevie. And she's named after Stevie Bud from Schitt's Creek. And she is another nine-year-old chihuahua. She's like black, white, and gray. We added her to our pack about a year ago. So we adopted Stevie just to balance the other two out because Holly is our kind of more shy, skittish dog that takes a little while to warm up. And then Chloe is our dog that's more human than dog. So she, uh, you know, would prefer to be around humans. She had 
been an only child for like seven years. So she just kind yeah. of is fine to chill by herself. And then Stevie, when we met her, she's that dog that will just like go up to anyone in public or on the street and is like, hi, how are you? Nice to meet you. I'm Stevie. So we were like, we need a super like friendly, like cute outgoing dog to balance it out. So uh, we adopted her last year. Now we are at our max. Um, so where we live, we can only legally have three dogs. So that is my excuse for not foster failing anymore. So um, every single foster we get from like, you know, when we adopted Stevie until now, you know, everyone's like, keep her. And I'm like, nope, we cannot legally adopt any more dogs. So that is yep. you know, kind of our excuse to just keep fostering. And that's my immediate response to anyone who tells me I should keep any of my fosters from here on out. It's also such a common thing. If you are fostering on social media, everyone writes you that comment. They're like, are you keeping her? And it's like, no. Well, and it's funny that I, I get it a lot now because you know, I share a lot of my life on there. So people have gotten to know me or think that they know me. And I love every single foster like they're my own. You know, I treat them as if they're my own. I fall in love with them. So people are like, oh, I can tell this one's going to be a foster failure. You're like, Not I can't. Quite. I'll have like a bonded parent. They're like, oh, this is going to, they're going to be a foster failure. I'm like, I can't, I don't know if I'm at a point where I can do five dogs Yep. And continue to foster. Three um, to five is a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about their rescue stories. Which ones do you have some details on and which ones are like total guesses? For the most part, I don't have any real details on any of them. Chloe, we got, you know, just from the shelter. She came from the Central Valley in California, which is a huge area where every rescue in California gets a ton of stray dogs, primarily chihuahuas, like chihuahua central down there. So yeah, no story. I don't know if she was born in the shelter as a puppy or what. Like I said, we didn't know much about rescue dogs. So we just got her. We didn't know anything about her behavioral wise or anything. And then my other two girls, we got at Muttville and adopted as seniors. Uh, They were both found as strays. Holly, we just know that she was found as a stray in Stockton. Stevie, we just know um, she was actually found as a stray in the Bay Area. Some good Samaritans found her just like wandering the streets. They picked her up and they tried to take her to a local shelter down in the South Bay area. A lot of the shelters throughout the country, senior dogs are the first to get euthanized. So they knew that if this girl went to the shelter and wasn't adopted quickly, that she was going to be put down. So they applied to uh, surrender her to Muttville and Muttville accepted her and she came to us and we adopted her. So lucky for her, she became a Muttville girl and hit the jackpot. But we wonder yeah. about her because she's so special. I mean, they're all special, but Stevie is just like so sweet and friendly. And we just wonder like how anyone could just let her go. She also had a microchip too, and they were able to find in the owners and uh, were never able to get into contact with them. Mm. So yeah, ours now. I definitely want to hear more just about like the strays and like the shelter systems where you are just because in Canada, it's like very different, mostly in a positive way. So we can definitely chat a little bit about that later. Okay, so you mentioned already they're like different personalities. How do they react when you bring a new foster dog in the home? They're just so indifferent. I don't know if it's just that they're used to it. I like to say that the my three girls are more like roommates than sisters. They don't interact with each other that much. They all are like way more interested in me and my husband than they are hanging out with each other. So yeah, we just bring a foster in. They'll kind of, you know, do the introduction and sniff them and stuff. And then they're off to do their own things. It's really nice that we don't have to worry too much about like fights or them, you know, being too much in their face. And they're really good about it too. Like we bring a new foster in and they're too much in their face in the beginning. And I can tell the fosters like getting a little like, Hey, back off. I just tell them and they'll back off and they'll go do their own thing. So it's, it's really nice. And plus, you know, with the seniors, yeah, it's just so much easier. You know, I see people that foster multiple younger dogs because I get it all the time, uh, you know, because we have three of our own and then we foster and sometimes we'll foster two at a time. And people are like, oh my God, five dogs. That's a lot. I like to show these little like snippets of, you know, on my Instagram stories of my house, fostering dogs, fostering senior dogs is so hard. Like I roll (laughs) because 
<laughs> they'll yeah. just be all just like laid out sleeping on the couch. I'm like, yeah, it's a lot of work, you guys. I will say, I mean, yeah, I haven't, I actually haven't fostered senior dogs because my dogs are turning three and four. So I want to maybe wait till they calm down a little bit longer. Yeah. But in general, once that settling period happens, dogs just vibe off each other. So if my two dogs are lazing around, even so my new foster is the opposite. She's ten, eight months old. So she is driving me a little bit crazy because she is the opposite of what I yeah. would typically go for. But she too is like, you know, she'll try and bug the dogs to play and then they'll be like, no, this is nap time. And she'll kind of be like, all right, I guess it's nap time. So yeah, she like That's dogs totally tell that true. each other. Yeah. They totally vibe off of each other too. And my three are so chill. So typically the foster comes in and is like, okay, cool. This is just like a nice place where I can decompress. Much better than the shelter. So let's be really nice for them. So let's get more into fostering itself. So kind of mentioned that you got your first dog from a shelter. How did you then decide um, to start fostering? So I'm not super far into my foster journey. So I've been fostering for about four years now. But I think one thing that I will say about my particular foster journey and to others out there is that it's never too late to start and you can make an impact and do a lot in a short amount of time. So I only started fostering four years ago and we've fostered 41 dogs in that time. Oh, wow. Um, Amazing. Yeah. And, you know, I'm a Petco Love Ambassador now. I also do uh, foster mentoring. So I onboard new fosters into our foster program at Muttville Senior Dog Rescue. So I kind of have my toes in a lot of different other projects other than just fostering. So four years ago, I had quit my corporate job and was kind of, you know, figuring out what I was going to do next in life. And Ever since we had adopted our our rescue dog, Chloe, I had been interested in kind of getting involved in volunteering and rescue. But like I said, I was working in a corporate America and was just like way too busy and was commuting to work an hour and 20 minutes there and back each day and just didn't have the time to do volunteering or fostering and all of that. I was unemployed, had all the time in the world. So I thought, let me try fostering. So I started fostering with the organization that we had adopted Chloe from, which is close to our house here in California. And our very first foster ever was a puppy. Same as my rescue story. I didn't know anything about fostering. Yeah. I didn't know, uh, you know, who doesn't want to foster a puppy? I thought they, that's what they offered me. Um, you know, I filled out the application and they contacted me right away. I did the training. They were like, oh, we have this puppy. He's a border collie mix. He's eight weeks old or whatever. Oh my gosh. Um, You got really put in the deep end there. Yeah. So I was like, (laughs) sure, we'll take him. We get this puppy and no, I guess if you're going to start out fostering and you have a puppy, everything else is going to seem to be a breeze after that. So we got this puppy. I don't know what his story was, if he was taken away from his litter too soon, but God, he was just biting us nonstop. I had like scars all over my arms and legs from him biting me. He drew blood and me being like the rule follower that I am. I you know, submitted an incident report to the rescue. And then like, next thing I know is animal control is knocking on my door (gasps) to come take a little uh, mugshot of this little guy for biting me. Of course, you know, when it was time for him to be uh, neutered and adopted, he got adopted within five seconds. But um, that was the first and last puppy I ever fostered. Puppies a different thing. I can relate so hard to what you're saying. (laughs) I have all the respect in the world for people who can foster puppies, but not my cup of tea. So yeah, after that, so I started fostering a few older dogs, like one to two years old with the same organization. The way that their organization worked is you would foster dogs who either had kennel cough or some sort of illness that they weren't able to stay at the rescue organization just because they were contagious or whatever. So I would foster these dogs, but then I had to keep them separated from Chloe, which was really challenging. Like, you know, they're one to two year old dogs. They just want to like get out and play. Chloe wants to like see them and she's trying to like, you know, look in the room and see where they're at. So I started to look at some different organizations in my area that also were in need of fosters. And I had heard of Muttville Senior Dog Rescue um, and just thought, let me submit an application and see if they have any need for fosters. And they reached back out to me like immediately and were basically like, you can come pick up a dog from us tomorrow if you want. So I went and picked up my first senior foster there was a 14 year old tan chihuahua. I just fell in love with senior dogs after that. And funny story about that little girl. So we had been fostering her for about a month. 
and went back to drop her off at an adoption event. She didn't get adopted. So we picked her up later that day. And when we got there, we found that she had actually bonded to another Chihuahua that was surrendered there with her, but they thought that they would be okay to be separated, but they reunited after being in separate foster homes for like a month. And we're like, you know, they found each other again back at this adoption event and the other one didn't have a foster. So we took her too. We ended up having this bonded pair of 14 year old little tan Chihuahuas and we fostered them for six months before they finally got adopted but that was sort of our gateway to senior dogs and we just like have not quit since and senior dogs completely have our hearts now let's definitely get into that why senior dogs what wrong conceptions do people have about fostering senior dogs yeah after fostering that puppy and some younger dogs and then going into seniors like seniors are just so much more like mine and my husband's speed like they're just so chill for the most part they just want to come into your home and have like a quiet place to decompress until they can find their forever home like they just want to sleep all day like I said I have three dogs of my own you know the fact that I can have like four to five dogs that are just like quiet and sleeping I mean sign me up for that amazing it's not like I'm you know refereeing all these like playing and all of this stuff and having to like take them to the dog park for hours and hours like they're just the chillest sweetest dogs I really only foster female chihuahuas it's just oh my god they're just all so cute to have five little chihuahuas just like following me around the house is just like the best thing god with seniors it's just like they have so much love to give and it's like the second you bring them in you know whatever their history and a lot of them are strays and we don't know what their past history was but you bring them into your home and they just fall in love with you immediately like seniors just have the biggest hearts and like they warm up to you so quick and it's just my favorite thing and you know they can have health issues too so it's just awesome to see them come into my home maybe they're not feeling their best maybe they need a dental surgery or masses removed or whatever it may be they get that taken care of you see their little personality start to come up out and god seniors can be just so funny and quirky it's just so funny to see them all have their little individual personalities and see if they like to play or if they like toys if they're really food motivated if they can do tricks or know any commands or anything I just love every every little thing about senior dogs that's wonderful do you mind telling me a little bit about the rescue you work with as well so they specialize in senior dogs yes so Muttville Senior Dog Rescue in San Francisco is an entirely senior dog rescue so all of the dogs are ages seven and up Muttville is super unique. So it started in 2007. So our founder and CEO is Sherry Franklin. So she was volunteering at different shelters within the Bay Area and was seeing that senior dogs were the first to be euthanized. You know, she was going to shelters frequently to volunteer and she'd go one day and meet a senior dog that was perfect, amazing, most awesome dog, and then go the next day to find them again and find that they were put down just because of their age. She decided to do something about it. So her whole mission was to make senior dogs sexy and to show everyone that senior dogs are adoptable. So she started her rescue. So all of the dogs are ages seven and up. Primarily here in California, we have a lot of little dogs, tons of chihuahuas, but it is, uh, we do have breeds and all sizes, shapes, all different kinds of dogs. Now, Muttville is going to have their 10,000th adoption this year. So we are on track for that. Wow, Um, amazing. Muttville has just changed the stigma about senior dogs. I would say not just in the Bay Area, but across the country. I mean, a lot of other organizations have modeled their uh, business plan off of Muttville. Muttville is one of the only cage-free facilities in the country. You walk in there and you just have all these little senior dogs, 10 to 20 dogs just wandering around free. They're not in cages. So that, I mean, in and of itself is an awesome sight to see. But I think that was one of the main things that drew me towards Muttville as well and has kept me within the organization and fostering with them is not just my love for senior dogs and their personalities and all of that. The fact that there are people out there who are willing to adopt a senior dog over and over and over again. When I'm onboarding new fosters, it's like they always ask, you know, kind of what the time frame is, how long you can expect to have a dog. Oh, my last dog that I had got adopted in like four days. Yeah. So the popularity here, it's like people come back to adopt their second, third, fourth dog. So that's been something just really amazing to see and kind of restores my faith that faith in humanity that there are great people out there. And I've also, you know, fostered hospice dogs for them as well. That's been something that's amazing to see is people who are 
willing to adopt a dying dog Mm -hmm. and the people that are willing to come back time and time again to adopt a dog with a terminal illness has been amazing as well. So there's just so many reasons for my draw to this organization. That's kind of been my platform on Instagram is to show people not just to let them know um, about fostering and that, you know, you should go out and definitely try to foster a dog of any age, but to also, you know, share my appeal for senior dogs. How amazing for them to, you know, like you said, build this popularity based on having senior dogs. I definitely know there is kind of like still a stigma attached to doing that. I think people, especially, I don't know if it's the same in San Francisco, but here in Toronto, COVID became like crazy in terms of like bought puppies, illegally bought puppies, all sorts of situations like that. So it's definitely changed our city landscape a lot. There's like so many more dogs around. And again, they're all really young, overwhelmed. just crazy. So just to have an organization that has, you know, that reputation that precedes it, that makes people come back over and over to adopt a dog in really in need who would be euthanized without that space is really amazing. I mean, you know, as you were saying, there can be that stigma towards senior dogs that, you know, they're old, decrepit, they have a ton of health issues. So that's another thing, you know, that Muttville is able to provide that a lot of these shelters aren't. So, you know, Muttville primarily gets a lot of their dogs from other shelters within the Bay Area and throughout California that don't have necessarily the resources to provide these senior dogs with the medical care that they may need in order to get adopted. You know, like both of my Uh, girls that I adopted from Muttville came in, had terrible teeth. Muttville gave them both dentals, which is huge. I mean, that's thousands of dollars that as an adopter you may be spending if you're adopting a senior from the shelter, then they're not giving that to them. They were both spayed, you know, obviously given all their shots and that and all of that. Um, But, you know, a lot of my dogs, my fosters that I've had have gotten uh, mammary masses removed, whatever it may be, Muttville like really gives them intensive medical care before they get adopted. So that's another amazing thing that the organization does. I mean, there are so many dogs that come into Muttville that are, you know, seven-year-old Chihuahua, healthy, seven years old is not very old for a Chihuahua. Like my girls that are nine, almost 10 still have pretty good amount of energy. Uh, Like I said, they do sleep a lot, but they get the zoomies. So they have a ton of life left to live. I mean, like I said, the seniors just have so much love to give. So I'm always trying to show that with featuring my fosters on my Instagram that, you know, I love an old decrepit chihuahua, but there are They're so not many all like different, that. Yeah, yeah, there's so many different types of senior dogs. And there's, you know, there's a senior dog out there for everyone. I mean, yeah. Seven-year-old Chihuahua is still kicking it and still probably happy to play fetch and all of that good stuff. For so, sure, for sure. Yeah, I don't see my guys slowing down at that age. They're probably gonna keep going. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm always surprised. Like, I'll get a 14-year-old Chihuahua yeah. that still like loves toys and is like running around chasing stuff in the backyard. So, not all senior dogs are created equal. Definitely. Did you want to maybe chat about as well, just like the stray dog situation in California and some background on that, just since our viewers are mainly Canadian, it's just a different context here in Toronto, where in general, in most parts of Canada, especially like cities, we don't have stray dog issues. We're like pretty heavily regulated. So it's not something that we... I think like have a lot of exposure to. And I find a lot of people ask us, like we don't bring in dogs from California. That's a little far, but I'm sure there's partners in like Vancouver who do that. But we bring in dogs from Texas and from Tennessee a lot. And people will be like, why are you bringing in international dogs? And don't understand the severity of issues with stray dogs and with euthanization in a lot of parts of the United States. In Central California, there's a huge stray dog problem. So a lot of the shelters in other parts of California and the Bay Area will get a lot of dogs transported from those shelters that are, you know, really highly overpopulated. Mm. Um, There's a lot of chihuahuas and small dogs down there. So Muttville works with a lot of different partner shelters in the Bay Area, Central California, even Southern California, and they'll get those dogs transported. Here in the Bay Area, I mean, you'll just have your kind of normal amount of strays and they can be any size, but in, in the Central Valley, it's definitely a lot of smaller dogs see a ton of chihuahuas coming to muttville from there and then you'll just get these strays and you know like my girl stevie 
she had a chip and everything. Yeah. And no one came to claim her. So, I mean, we do get dogs in San Francisco at the shelters that come in as strays. And then once their stray hold is up, they'll transfer them to Mudville to get adopted if no one comes and claims them. So, I mean, for whatever reason, people just let their dogs go, unfortunately, and don't come looking for them. It's definitely really sad, but an amazing part of just being part of this process is to see their lives get renewed, see them in their foster homes, decompress, like you said, and come to life and then see them through to adoption. Yeah. And it's so interesting because a lot of the dogs that I do foster are labeled as strays. So, you know, they were picked up on the street or, you know, found wandering the street or taken to the shelter. But, you know, I'll get them into my home and they're sweet as can be. They're potty trained. They know how to jump up on the couch. Like they have obviously lived in a home before. So I always kind of wonder what their history is there. Like, did they get out of the yard or whatever? And then the owner just never came and looked for them. Or, you know, sometimes the owner will move and just leave the dog at the home or whatever. There's a a lot of, unfortunately, a lot of reasons why people can't continue to care for their senior dogs. So that's why it's super important that there are people that are out there that are willing to adopt a senior dog because there's a lot of reasons why people give up their senior dogs. Yeah, definitely. Let's get back into some of your foster experiences. We're going to kind of do like a categories type thing. So I'm going to give out a category and you can tell me about the foster dog or foster dogs if they are a bonded pair that fit that description. Who was your silliest foster dog. I'm going to cheat a little and look at yeah. my foster list here because oh my god, 41 <laughs> starts to um, you know, blend together my silliest foster. God, I would probably say Daiquiri, and I have a lot of uh, funnily named fosters as well. Muttville likes to give them a lot of uh, goofy names, so I had a foster dog named Daiquiri. She was a very overweight 13-year-old chihuahua and she had her tongue that kind of hung out a little bit and she was an Instagram favorite of everyone. So she wasn't potty trained. So every time she'd wake up from a nap, I would like do this thing where I would scoop her up. She was really overweight, like I said, and I'm a very small person. So I was always like struggling to like carry her, but I would pick her up and try to run her to the back door before she would like pee anywhere in the house. So I had a thing that I started called Daiquiri Cam, where I would show me carrying her to the back door and she'd always have her like tongue out and she had these big like bugs eyes so I'd have to like do the daiquiri cam like multiple times a day and people like ended up being obsessed with it but she was just really funny looking and she was such a little dunkster yeah I would just show all these like videos of her because she always had her eyes like bugged out and she was just super goofy and I love that her name is daiquiri I think that just sounds so (laughs) suited to how you're describing her (laughs) who was your cutest on from your perspective and then from your like Instagram's perspective who did people freak out about the most so on my instagram people really love like the smaller the better Mm -hmm. anytime i get a really tiny chihuahua people really freak out about that so i had one her name was vicky nuggy and she was kind of a gray very tiny chihuahua people really were uh, really obsessed with her she was just like maybe four or five pounds so super tiny yeah i think she was supposed supposed to be oh what did I say 15 but yeah another chihuahua that had a ton of energy and was just like running around like wreaking havoc trying to hump my dogs um yeah I would say she was definitely a fan a fan favorite but the funny thing is it's like every foster I get everyone falls in love with them and then I'm like oh just you guys wait and see who I'm getting next you're gonna die and then the next one comes along and then the cycle continues yeah and I'm sure your entire feed is just people like me who are just like chihuahua obsessed so (laughs) they're all they're all cute And I I try to convert the people who, you know, obviously chihuahuas can have that stigma of being like super annoying and yappy, you know, aggressive. And that's another thing I kind of try and change the stigma about on my Instagram is like Chloe is a bit yappy and can kind of growl at you and stuff. But like 99% of the chihuahuas that I've fostered, I would not put in that chihuahua category or I would not stereotype them as your typical chihuahuas. Like they're just so sweet chill, cuddle up, burrow under the blankets. That's another reason why I love the Chihuahuas. And I like to have a dog that I'm able to just like pick up at any moment's notice. It is definitely a nice part of having small dogs. Who was your most food crazy? 
dog? God, that's a really good question. I feel like the majority of them are. Yeah. Um, with them coming in as strays, I think they're just also used to like, oh my God, I don't know when the next time I'm going to get food is. God, I think the last bonded pair I had, Sunday and Sprinkles, would actually know they were the ones that um, had a really hard time eating. The last little girl I had, Estrella, she's now Stella, but God, she would inhale her food in like 10 seconds flat. I had a couple like docks and mixes that really love to eat. Oh yeah. Who were the best at doing tricks? I don't know if any of them have been that great at doing tricks. <laughs> oh, I had one. Her name was Bug. She knew how to like sit and do a couple of things. I mean, I'm more focused on like, do they come if I call them? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and I love when they can do puzzles. I've had a couple that, you know, are able to do my little outward hound uh, food puzzles, but I, I don't think I've had any that I've seen be able to do tricks. And a lot of my fosters are like in and out so quick. That yeah. Sometimes I don't even like get to dive into that too much. Um, what was maybe what you described like your hardest foster experience? I would probably say Daiquiri again, my little Daiquiri Cam. So she came to us super overweight. She was drinking and peeing a lot, like excessively. So we knew she had some like health problems going on. Then they diagnosed her with Cushing's disease. So we were trying to get her meds all dialed in. And then she just kind of stopped eating for a while and thought it was just like days and days where I was just like spending all this time trying to get her to eat eat anything. She wasn't like super affectionate either. So it was really difficult to just be like caring for this dog and not feeling any sort of affection from her back. And then just not feeling like I was able to make her feel better. Cause that's like, you know, one of the biggest things with fostering senior dogs, like I said, is them, you know, they come in, they're not feeling good. I get them feeling better. I see their little personality to come, come out. So to see her just continually like not feel good. And for me to not be able to do anything about it and just feeling like powerless really took like an emotional toll on me. So she ended up getting her her dental done. And it turned out that that was what was really making her not feel good. She had like infected gums that was making her feel terrible. So then she finally started feeling better after that. Gosh, to see these little animals, like just not feeling their best, just sick, like day after day, just takes an emotional toll on you. And that's one of the things that you can experience in rescue and fostering as well as that um, caretaker and emotional burnout. That's something that really affected me at that time. Because you got to take care of yourself before you can take care of these animals. So um, with her, I had to know when to ask for help and what was kind of out of my scope of expertise. I had to have her go to another foster for a little while until she started feeling better. Once I got in a better emotional state and once she was feeling better health-wise as well, then we took her back. And then I kind of got to see it all come full circle and she was feeling better. I was feeling better. Uh, she ended up getting adopted by a really awesome couple in the city. Then all of that work and, and those crying nights trying to get her to eat were worth it definitely that's really tough and def I was expecting probably kind of like a medical answer because I know that in our rescue any medical case is just so much work for the rescue so much work for the foster and that's where that's where your help is like so needed but like you said it's also about putting yourself first and having that balance you know sometimes too we have dogs in our care for so long because they're dealing with so many medical issues and they can't go up for adoption yet until we figure out what's going on yeah so sometimes it can be a longer stint and sometimes there are people especially within our rescue there are people who just excel at taking those really tough medical cases you know if the dog has diabetes and needs injections like there are some awesome people out there who are such experts in caring for some of these dogs with like really advanced medical issues. I've even heard a lot about like express, you know, we have had dogs that needed like to be expressed to go to the mm -hmm. bathroom. What are other like very memorable fosters that you want to give a shout out to? I love all of my bonded pairs. Those are always the ones for some reason that really touch my heart the most. I think it's just seeing how much these dogs love each other, especially from yeah. my point of view, that my dogs just like tolerate each other. Like they all want to be by me, but my dogs don't cuddle each other. They don't actively like tether out to like hang out or anything. When I get these bonded pairs that come in, it's like one is always has to like clean the other one's ears. They always have to like, you know, be intertwined while they're sleeping and cuddle up. It's just like so sweet to see. So special when they get adopted, because again, then you're not, you're having someone that's adopting not one, but two senior dogs. And that is a big commitment, you know, 
Yeah. Money-wise, you're adopting two dogs instead of one. With the seniors, I think it is a lot easier, especially when they're bonded because they're going to keep each other company. You're going to have to worry less about separation anxiety issues. They're going to like, yeah, you know, hang out with each other when you're gone. But God, the, the bonded pairs, I just love. I just love taking care of them. They're They're just super special to me. That's so sweet. I've never fostered a bonded pair, but from like the rescue perspective, I've helped fosters who've had them. And every time I hear stories about them, it is like the sweetest thing. We had these two like young fosters, big ones, like 80 pounds, two dogs. We took one from Texas. And I remember my their foster was texting me like, I don't know what it is, but she keeps looking at the door and crying. Like it literally seems like she's missing someone. And I was like, that's so strange. What a strange thing for a dog to do. We got messages from the partner shelter that the bond, the other bonded dogs like suffering because she left. So they asked, we asked the foster, do you mind taking the both? And she was like, yes. And then here, like I saw a video of them reuniting and it was like the cutest thing I have ever seen. <laughs> Oh my God. And I love when there's a bonded pair where one's big and one's little. Oh my God. That's my dream. (laughs) Yeah. I haven't had that. Like I said, I only do those small dogs, but oh my God, that's my favorite thing at at Muttville's. Like we had a, there was a bonded pair named Sunny and Cher. The boy was like a huge kind of German shepherd mix and then a tiny little black chihuahua. Oh my God. They were just the cutest thing. That is so cute. I have this like little dream. I have my two small dogs and I do have a dream of my third dog being like a big bully mix or like a Roddy who's just going to be like their protector. I don't think it's going to happen (laughs) because I think they would much rather just keep dealing with dogs their size. Even Yara's like 25 pounds and they're like, no. (laughs) I cannot tell the size of your dogs from your videos. Yeah, everyone says that. Queenie is like 11 pounds, 11 to 15. And then Boss is more like 20. So he's like a hefty one to carry. Okay, Boss looks huge to me in the pictures. (laughs) Everyone says that. I thought Queenie looked small. And then I saw a couple other ones and I'm like, oh no, she's more like medium size. Okay. And then your foster just looks huge. I thought she was like, you know, 80 pounds or something. I know my friend recently met boss and she just was like oh my god he's so small and I'm like yeah he's still a lap dog he's just a bigger lap dog yeah and that's the thing is that when I adopted him I thought he was like a puggle like a beagle body so that's like his size is kind of more of like a beagle I guess but then we did his DNA test and we found out he was 50% chihuahua and it made so much sense because his personality is 100% stereotypical chihuahua. that's so funny that's like Chloe the whole time we were thinking she was chihuahua min pin and that's what we told like everyone yeah because um, she has this like yes min pin coloring and then yeah we did a DNA test and she is like 50 something percent chihuahua but then the next breed was poodle and then and there was a what? bunch of other random things in there and she is zero percent min pin she does not but look any poodle like the, <laughs> yeah we would read like the min pin characteristics of the breed yeah. too and we we're like oh that's her that is a hundred percent her well that was me with boss i was like you know beagles love to bark and he's like an alert barker and his he has like a bit of a howl so i just thought oh that's his beagle side no it's just all chihuahua just the chihuahua like i'm gonna rule the home type vibes we haven't done a dna test for queenie yet i mean she looks very chihuahua she's from china so i have no idea what kind of mixes they have there so let's get into some tips for fostering senior dogs i've had tons of episodes on fostering in general and you know a lot about like setting boundaries and whatever but maybe there's a lot less considerations to keep in mind in terms of like training and maybe a couple more in terms of just more ways to like act around them so what's your first day look like when you bring a new foster into your home a lot with the senior dogs i mean and i would definitely recommend anyone that looking to get into fostering, you know, maybe doesn't want to foster a puppy, has kind of a more chill, like work from home lifestyle where you just, you know, obviously want to help a dog in need, but maybe don't have the time to devote to taking a young dog to the dog park, playing with them in the yard, taking them, um, you know, on long walks and all of that. I would say, you know, 
reach out to your shelter and see if they have any senior dogs that are looking for a place, especially right now, you know, a lot of people are still working from home. Senior dogs make the perfect work from home buddy. You can just have them snoozing in the side. They're likely not going to be like interrupting your Zoom calls with, you know, needing to go to the park and play and all of that stuff. I would definitely like do some research and see if senior dogs are going to be like a good fit for your lifestyle. But the first day, yeah, usually they just come in. I kind of just let them do their thing. And, you know, sometimes they want to sniff and check out every like single corner of my house. If they want to do that, that's fine. Sometimes they're just like exhausted because they've come into Muttville. They've been poked and prodded and had their whole veterinary exam and have probably been chilling out at headquarters all day with like 30 dogs and they're just exhausted. So sometimes they just want to like come into my house, find the first dog bed or jump up on the couch and just like sleep for a day and a half. And that's cool too. We just give them like a quiet home here to decompress. And then when they're ready to come to us, then they can do that. But I mean, typically they come in and they're just like, hi, oh, I love you already. I'm always like posting videos of my husband, like the first night with like this brand new dog, like curled up on his lap or like giving him kisses. And people are always like, oh, he's the chihuahua whisperer. And you're just you know, like, typically no, they the senior dogs. They just love. Yeah. They just come in, just like make themselves right at home. And if you're willing to give them love, they are willing to receive it. Something that I always advocate for, and I was wondering if it's the same thing, like you obviously said to focus on like a quiet home. So any environmental factors you can consider if you're considering it? fostering a senior, visitors, your lifestyle, things like that. Every dog is different. And that's the thing about it's really important when you're looking for a rescue is to make sure that they have a good foster network, because a lot of times you get these dogs home and maybe it's not the right environment. I live outside of the city where we live is very quiet, but the majority of our fosters are located in San Francisco. So, you know, in order for these dogs to go outside and go potty, sometimes it's super loud and there's a lot of street noise and all of that. And that's not the right fit for every dog. So, you know, sometimes we will have to transfer these dogs to a more quiet habitat. They just can't deal Mm. with the street noise and all of these loud sounds. Or sometimes, uh, you know, they may go to a home where there's, you know, kids and they don't like that or cats or, you know, maybe we find out that they're better suited to be the only dog in the home. That's the really nice thing about Muttville's foster network is we can kind of adjust these dogs. And the more that you can find out about these dogs and what environment mental triggers they may have, how they interact with guests in your home or kids or anything, the more that you can find out while they're in your care, the better it's going to be for them to find their forever home because you can let these potential adopters know all of that information rather than if you're adopting a dog straight out of the shelter. You might not know anything about personality wise. That's been one of the reasons why, you know, Muttville has a lot of successful adoptions. Whenever I am meeting a potential adopter, you know, I just tell them as much as I can. And I'm as honest as I can about what the dog is like, good and bad. So they can know what to expect. And then it's more likely that the adoption is going to stick and we're not going to have a return if this dog goes to their home and isn't quite what I said that they're going to be or has some personality traits that we haven't seen come out yet. It sounds like Mudville has an amazing shelter that's like open and like everything, but that might still be stressful for some dogs or might be hard for their personality to come out. So that's why I love fostering. You really do get to see like, this is the environment they would probably be in right in the home with humans doing their thing maybe with dogs or with cats and you get to really see what they're like I know for us we get so many like you know street dogs from Mexico who come here and this is entirely new for them like new city knew everything. And sometimes they just settle in and they're like, ah, thank God, a bed. Yeah. And that's one of the things that I didn't know when we rescued our dog, because we just went to the shelter and picked her up, just knew, you know, roughly her age and that she was supposedly a Chihuahua Min Pin. Um, but yeah, I, I never knew that you could get great information and, you know, learn more what the dog was like if you adopted a dog that had been in foster. That's, you know, one of the great things that if you're getting it, adopting a dog that's been in foster, you're likely going to get a lot more information, be able to kind of see the bigger picture of what, what they're going to be like. And do you have any tips for 
any fosters who might be maybe a little bit nervous or concerned about the medical side? Um, again, that's just one of the things that you need to ask about when you're researching rescue organizations. I know with Muttville, since I do the onboarding, I explain a lot of these different issues and things that you can expect to all of our new fosters. I mean, really any reputable organization should be doing their best to match you with a dog that is your comfort and experience level. So if you're brand new to fostering, you know, maybe you don't have a ton of dog experience to begin with. They shouldn't be matching you with a dog that's like diabetic and needs injections or, you know, has all of these things going on. They should be starting you out with a dog that's like relatively easy, no health issues. And you should communicate your comfort level as well. Like even, and that's what I always let new fosters know. I'm like, you know, we're going to reach out to you when we have a dog that is a match. This is the way our organization works. We're going to let you know as much as we know about this dog. And you can definitely say no if you don't think that this is the right fit for you because we want it to be a beneficial experience for both parties. We want you to have a good foster experience and we want this dog to, you know, be in a good foster home where they're going to be happy and comfortable as well. So, you know, if you're getting stressed out having to deal with this dog with medical issues and they're not getting the care that they need, that's not going to be a good situation. So, you know, that's an important question to ask when you're applying to foster, you know, what are there dogs with medical needs? Am I going to be matched with a dog with medical needs? I'm brand new to fostering, you know, how are you going to match me with a dog? Yeah, that's definitely true. This is the number one question. I feel like a lot of people who foster get, how do you deal with uh, the foster dog leaving? So what's your tip for those, again, who, you know, haven't had 41 dogs go through their door and are kind of used to the process? How would you recommend that process go of moving into the adoption stage? So I always tell people that my mindset going into it is that this isn't my dog. So I look at it that I'm caring for this dog for another person and I try to be like super goal oriented. And I have this goal in mind, which is for this dog to get adopted. And so that I can get an, another dog. Cause I always, I have my, you know, checklist. I keep track of like how many foster dogs that I get. So I'm like, okay, I'm on 41. You know, when this dog gets adopted, I can get 42. I have this mindset that that's my goal is that I'm going to get this dog adopted. So yeah, I just keep that in mind. And then as soon as they like connect me with the adopter, I'm just like, get these like butterflies in my stomach and I get super excited because with the pandemic, We've just been doing adoptions for the most part virtually. So the first time that they're most of these adopters are meeting their dog is the day that they adopt them. I'm always just like looking forward to that goal of adoption day. And for me, just doing it over and over again, adoption day is my favorite day. Like for me, it's like Christmas. Because if you think back, if anyone who has adopted a dog, if you think back to the day that you got your dog, it's probably like one of the best days of your life, right? You remember bringing your dog home for the first time, like how happy you felt. And for me, like to get to do that for someone else like over and over again is just such a rewarding and like happy feeling. And like the night before, I'm always like super excited. I'm like, oh, what are these people going to be like? How excited are they going to be when they meet this dog and get them for the first time? So that is sort of like what keeps me going and what motivates me. And obviously there are dogs that touch my heart more than others. The last bonded pair that we had got when I dropped them off, I just got in the car and was like immediately like falling just because one of them was diagnosed with cancer when we had her she had several surgeries and just to see her like still being like the happiest dog in the whole entire world um, and they were just like the sweetest bonded pair and then to know that they were being like adopted by like the sweetest older couple the couple like did not care that one of them was sick god they just touched my heart so much more than others so there are some that I'm like, okay, it's time for you to go. Mama needs a little break. And there are others that still I'm just like ugly cry when they get adopted. So yeah, I will not say that. Yeah, I'm over the point where I can just like see them leave and be fine. Also with three dogs, typically if I have like four to five, by the time I've had like a foster for a few weeks, it's kind of thrown me out of my routine. So I'm usually ready for a little break. So that's um, always like kind of the nice thing about adoption day too. I'm like, okay, now I can go home and like deep clean my house and um, (laughs) 
chill and prepare for the next foster. That's always my cheering myself up thing. So my husband and I always have like a tradition too, is typically when one of our fosters gets adopted, like that day we'll go like to a nice dinner, go out to eat somewhere and then we'll cheers to that dog getting adopted. And then I just immediately start looking for my next one. So that's how I heal my broken heart. Going out to dinner. And then get a new foster. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I definitely always encourage the ugly crying. I'm like, if you feel it, feel it because it's part of the journey. I've same as you. I feel like overall, I think also because, you know, when you have dogs, it's maybe a bit easier. I always feel for the people who are don't have a dog and foster. And I feel like their houses must feel so empty. So I get how that can be so much more intense. But yeah, I'm always like, treat yourself that night. Do something for you. Order takeout or yeah, go to a nice dinner, have a nice drink and just celebrate that time together. And yes, deep cleaning. I'm looking forward to that right now. So I feel you on that. I feel like those people that are first time fosters don't currently have a dog are probably like the highest rate of foster failures that we we see at our organization we have so many first like every I feel like we lose half of our foster roster just from like first time foster fails and I'm like oh 100% that's fine fine. I'm so glad you found your dog (laughs) I always like I'll onboard someone and then a few weeks later I see that they adopted so that's what I always say in my little um onboarding sessions I'm like we're always looking for new fosters because we always have new people that we onboard and uh, you know, they fall in love with their first foster and then, uh, you know, they take a little break or stop fostering after that. So we are always in need of new, new fosters for that reason. Definitely. So if you're not fostering right now, go out there and find an organization for you. Perfect. Well, thank you for spending this time with me. I definitely want to share your account, but also I would love for you to chat a little bit about your small business as well. Where can people find you? So you can find my foster Instagram at at all the foster pups. So that is where I share all of my behind the scenes foster stories. And you can see all of my adoptable mutts on there. And then my business is at hella cool dog co. So I actually started my small business. I sell dog bandanas and accessories, which were actually inspired by um, some senior foster dogs. So my first ever foster dogs that I talked about, um, who were the pair of ancient bonded chihuahuas, they were two little tan chihuahuas. And we have what here is what's called tan chihuahua syndrome. So tan chihuahuas are typically very hard to get adopted because they're pretty plain looking. Um, And a lot of people come into the shelter looking for a dog that has more unique colorings. I am going on three years of having my Etsy shop. So I taught myself how to sew and made them some cute little bandanas and just started posting pictures of them on my Instagram to get adopted. And business kind of took off from there and that people involved with Muttville were asking me where they can buy my products and if I had a shop. So I started my Etsy shop from there and I donate 10% of my proceeds back to Muttville Senior Dog Rescue. So every little bandana or bow tie that you buy helps senior dogs. I love that. Do you ship to Canada? I do. I do ship internationally. I just had an order that went to Switzerland, but amazing. Um, it will cost you a little more in, in shipping than in the US. But we <laughs> love our Canadian fair. friends. Well, definitely we'll leave all of these addresses on the show notes. Lisa, thank you so much for joining us as Rescue Dog Love. It was so awesome talking to you and getting so much fun stories about some senior chihuahuas. <laughs> Yay. Thank you so much for having me. No problem. Have a good rest of your day. Bye. Bye. Rescue Dog Love is a project by Yamini Cohen, inspired by her rescue dog boss, who you can find on Instagram with his doggy sibling Queenie at Queenie and Boss. To keep up with the Rescue Dog Love podcast, you can follow us at rescuedoglove.com or at rescuedoglovepod on Instagram. See you next time.